production of GopherPuckLive.com. Now, let's join Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Say, are we talking about hockey or porno tonight? <laughs> well, welcome back, people. This is the 62nd GPL podcast. Yes, I am counting. But, boys, you know, obviously we've been off for a couple weeks. Couldn't do one show one night because my internet went down. You'd be skippy. But, you know, it really hasn't been a great few weeks for the team, has it, Viggs? Swept by the dogs. Not the best game against, you know, U.S. under 18, a good game against B.C., and then a huge letdown against Northeastern Vigs. Yeah, I'd, I'd throw out the exhibition when you're, when yeah. you're talking about the stretch they're on. Um, but really, you know, it has been a little bit of a stretch we're not used to seeing where, you know, the team is still trying to define itself. I think Lucia is still trying to figure out if he's got a lineup where he can roll uh, four lines and three sets of D and, you know, he's got too many guys making the same mistakes over and over again. And when you play good teams like UMD, it's going to show up. And then I think they had a little bit of a letdown with Northeastern. Hammy, what's going on with this team? Is this just kind of an early season funk? It seems like some games they're really on, like a BC game. But other games, they just can't get their offense going like UMD and Northeastern. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a combination of factors. Um you know, I think part of it is that we're just not finding that consistency, especially um, our last two lines. You know, the third and fourth lines have been pretty well non-existent. Um, you know, for much of the season. I mean, with what we got our first points from the fourth line against Boston College. I mean, that's just not going to get it done yet. I mean, you're not going to expect your fourth line to do a lot of stuff, but they certainly have to pitch in. I mean, all the best Gopher teams usually had a fourth line that could do something. So. That's certainly something I think missing Boyd, you know, has really kind of hurt that third line. I mean, I think without Boyd, you know, we really only have two scoring lines. You know, when he's out of the lineup, he's kind of that linchpin of that third line. So I think that, uh, you know, that's, I think, you know, some of the problems that I see. And plus we have some guys that just aren't, they're not scoring to the pace that, you know, they did last year, um, you know, like warning and fashing and, uh, I just think that some of these guys need to pick it up a little bit in order to uh, kind of have the team being doing well. I mean, I think ultimately, though, we're not that bad off. It's just we haven't clicked at this point. Obviously, you know, depth is one thing that we were supposed to have this year for the team. So it, it seems like, you know, losing Boyd shouldn't have been too big of a deal, but it seems like he has been part of the glue that's kind of put them together. Well, I think definitely. I mean, when I look at especially that third line, I mean, you you know, Ambrose, for instance, he's not a guy that's going to create offense for himself. He's a guy that's going to kind of... He's a garbage goal know, guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's a guy that, you know, he's going to get around the net. He's going to dig for pucks, you know, around the boards. But he's not going to be, you know, skating hard up ice and, you know, stick handling around guys and creating things. He's just kind of a garbage, you know, goal type of a guy. And um, Boyd, to me, is, you know, he's the guy that's going to be setting all that up. And, and um, yeah, I think we all kind of underestimated to a certain extent how valuable... Travis actually is to this particular team. 
it did seem you did like uh, that uh, Mr. Letary got on the board. You've been kind of expecting a little more from him, and he has been awfully quiet. Well, I mean, he was what? I mean, he didn't have any points prior to you know Friday's game, yep. and you know, for a kid who's had a you know a decent amount of success scoring in his background, at, you know, at high school and junior hockey level, you you expect a kid like that to be doing more. Um, you know, he's not a freshman anymore. He's got some experience. He needs to step it up, and you know, it was nice to see him do that this past weekend. But we need a little bit more of that moving forward. Viggs, let's go all the way back to Duluth. You know, they almost didn't score that entire weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a tough situation. I think Duluth was really fired up to play. Um, I know in the, in the first game at Minnesota, um, Duluth really took it to them. They were out shooting them. They were dominating possession. Um, and they weren't taking penalties. And that's kind of been where Minnesota's been able to, to pull ahead of other teams is, is getting on the power play, and their power play has been really effective so far. And Duluth played a great game. I, I think this is the first time I've seen Duluth have a defensive core that is really good at transitioning out of the defensive zone and holding the offensive zone. I think sometimes they've had guys who could do one or the other, but now they've got a crew that makes it really hard to play against because it's hard to break out against the Bulldogs. Well, one thing I know, as you mentioned there, is, you know, the Gophers been relying on their power play. And I think that's, you know, obviously it could be a deadly power play. It worked against Northeastern. That's their only two goals. But like you said, I believe in your story, and Lucia said, we didn't have the five-on-five scoring. And they need it. Yeah, I I mean, I think part of the reason they're having a hard time getting five-on-five scoring is, is they don't get a lot of zone time right now. I think when Minnesota plays another team, you know, the neutral zone isn't going to be there where you can gain a lot of speed. So you need to have guys get behind the puck, generate some speed behind the puck so you can gain the blue line, and then don't turn the puck over right away. You need to kind of grind away a little bit. And Travis Boyd is one of the best players on the team at doing that. You know, he can protect the puck with his body and make a good play. And I think they're kind of suffering a little bit because they don't have a lot of guys who are able to do that right now. They have a lot of guys who are good in an up-and-down game or in transition with speed, but we're we're struggling to generate offensive chances out of possession. Well, I'm a little concerned if, you know, if Boyd is the big piece here, you know, guys, I, I'm a little concerned. Well, I mean, I think my point is the fact that you know, I, I think teams, it's a lot harder to play against a team when you can roll three scoring lines out there. Um, you know, every, I think most good teams have at least two good defensive pairings, you know, on their team. And, and so when you're playing a team like Duluth, for instance, that has something like that, I, I just think it, it's easier to play against uh, the Gophers when you only essentially are rolling out two scoring lines. And, you know, like Vig said, some of that, you know, is sort of, how the Gophers play on some of these lines. I mean, guys like Clues, Camerata, they're not the kind of guys that are going to be, you know, they're more of the transition plays, uh, you know, the north-south, kind of get up the ice and try to, but they're not puck possession guys per se in terms of around the boards and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think that part of it's just a combination of those factors. And I think Boyd is just that valuable in terms of he plays all the special teams. Um, He does add an offensive weapon to that third line, and so... Um, I don't. I don't think it says anything necessarily bad about the rest of the team. I just think it's, it just shows you that that he adds a tremendous amount of value 
Um, we don't have anything on the fourth line. To me, that's been the huge disappointment this year, um, and, and as well as you know some of these guys like Fashing. I mean, he's not scoring to the level um, that I kind of expected him to. You know, Sam Warning hasn't quite. You know, he's always been streaky, but he hasn't quite done as much as I had hoped for his senior year to this point. Um, so some of these guys just need to step it up offensively. I think they have the capability, but um, we just haven't seen that consistency yet. And that's kind of the one thing that was most disappointing for me over these last few weeks. You know, the sweep by Duluth, it bothered me, but the loss to Northeastern I thought was just inexcusable. They're not a good team. Well, I mean, I think for me, I mean, you have to look at the fact that Riley was out of the game quick, number one, and he's obviously very valuable to the team. Number two, they hadn't played the night before. They basically had one game for the whole weekend, and it was just the Gophers, and they had that opportunity to just focus on that. I and I know Lucia has mentioned that sort of he got outscheduled, so to speak, and, and I think that that certainly plays into it. Um, and, you know, as he mentioned on his radio show, you're going from a Boston College game where – Everybody's kind of ramped up because, you know, Boston College is one of the elite programs in the country. And then the next night you're playing, you know, in front of a, you know, lackluster crowd against a team that you're really not familiar with. And it's maybe a little bit of human nature to let down a bit. And I'm not saying that's excusable necessarily, but I understand how something like, like that can happen. My problem is that they, I don't think we've seen a consistent effort game in and game out, you know, I mean, you're not going to get your A game every week, but uh, I want to see the hard work every game, and I'm not sure that we've seen that to the level we need to. What do you think, Viggs? Were you as pissed off as I was? I'm probably not as pissed off as most <laughs> people following the team because, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to build a team for March. Yeah. You know, they're 3-1 they're and one against hockey. They, they ended up okay with the pairwise, I think, in the, out of their non-conference schedule. Now they've got their uh, – there are two games here at the holiday and then 20 Big Ten games coming up. And, um, you know, they're, they're still building. And I think, you know, Lucia's kind of settled on his penalty killers a little bit here. He mentioned that this week that uh, he gave some guys some chances and now he's going to move forward with, with the guys he thinks can do the best job there. And, you know, the special teams have been good. It's, it's trying to find guys who can play smart and accept the role on the third and fourth lines and, you know, maybe sacrifice trying to get that goal off the rush and, you know, grind away a little bit, get some gritty shots by the net and give the, you know, the other team a, you know, a challenge rather than just coming in, turning it over, having to play defense and then get off. You know, Lucia did say in some of his postgame interviews that, you know, you know, they might have a talented team, but if you don't work, you're going to get worked. And that's what I think happening against Northeastern. If you don't put out an effort every night, you're going to pay for it, especially in college hockey. Well, I mean, this is such a game of goaltending that, you know, you're yeah. going to go up against a good goaltender every night. And, you know, Northeastern's a veteran team. They have a veteran goalie. They returned a lot of their players. You know, they're going to play smart. Uh, they didn't give Minnesota a lot of shooting opportunities in that game. And, you know, Minnesota, you know, got lucky on the power play, you know. When you score on those power play chances, you can't generate anything out of five on five. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I, I, I guess I agree. It was just a little frustrating. That's all. Well, and I think the thing that you need to remember is, you know, every season's going to be different. I mean, it's funny. North Dakota fans, for instance, they're always used to their team starting off the first half slow and then ramping up. You know, I think for Gopher fans. We've generally been accustomed to ha starting off pretty good the first 
couple months of the season, maybe having a little bit of a rough spot, you know, in that second half and then kind of getting better again towards the end. I mean, that, I think that really comes down to every, we have expectations every year and we're used to certain things. And, um, you know, I think we're kind of used to seeing faster starts out of gopher hockey. And then when it doesn't quite happen as smoothly in that regard, people start to worry about things as opposed to kind of letting things play out. I mean, it is a long season. You're not going to have a games every week or a series, you know, or even you're going to have weeks in a row where you're not necessarily going to play the greatest. I mean, I think some of these teams that we've played that have played well, like Duluth, for instance, they're not going to play great the whole season. They're going to have their situations where they're going to slump a bit and every team goes through that. And I guess I would rather have that happen at this point in the year than, you know, kind of in the March range. So we'll see what happens. Well, all games count towards the pairwise. So in the end, it could cost them. You know, a game at about, you know, over Northeastern or one of these Duluth games or maybe, you know, some of the non-conference games, you know, in that Minnesota Cup thing, whatever. We all know that those games could come back to haunt you in the end because no matter what we say, the conference stinks this year, guys. And no matter what, they're going to be playing Michigan State, Penn State, and the Badgers, which are just so bad that no matter what, their pairwise is going to be affected in conference play. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough to judge about how things are going to play out. All I know is that if they continue to win the vast majority of the games, they'll be in good shape. I mean, they're not going to necessarily be the very top number one seed because of some of these, you know, losses that they've taken. But nonetheless, I think that as long as they control what they have um, in front of them, I mean, they can control what they have in front of them. And and certainly if they win, they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Hammy here. I mean, they've got two wins over Notre Dame, a win over BC. You know, they did beat uh, Duluth early in the season. You know, they got a win against St. Cloud State. I, I think they're going to be okay in pairwise as long as, you know, they take care of business in the Big Ten. Well, speaking of the Big Ten, guys, Bucky finally got a win. How about that? <laughs> what do you, you know, I hope you don't want me to congratulate him. <laughs> well... Well, as Handyman has been saying on the board, they, he hopes he gives Eves a lifetime contract because uh, it, it's rough over there. What are they, 1-9-1 one, one now? Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, you know, his, his strategy has kind of been to load up one recruiting class and develop those guys. and, and But, you know, that's coming back to haunt him, too. He just lost a recruit, didn't he? Possibly. Yeah, so... Well, I mean, I think, it, you know, I really, the, the, Wisconsin, just they like you mentioned, they kind of just kind of load up. They kind of have one out of every four years, that really competitive, you know, title contending team. And you, you kind of have to say to yourself, if you flub that one up, then you got to wait how many more years, you know, before you really get a strong competitive team again. And I, personally, I am not all that impressed with what they put together for a freshman class this year. I think it's okay, but I don't think it's anything that's going to blow you away. And, um, you know, they have got some decent players, you know, some pretty good players coming up uh, in the next few classes. But I I don't know. You just don't – I just don't know that I see this massive turnaround. And it's kind of what we said last year, that they didn't capitalize last year with what they had for that huge senior class and 
a few upperclassmen that might leave, then they're going to be hurting, and that's exactly what's happened. And really, they only capitalized kind of, you know, at the end of the season. You know, they came close to the, the regular season title, and then obviously they did well in the Big Ten tournament, but that was it. And, like, you know, you did predict it last year that, you know, they better do it well because they could be hurting, and they are hurting. Absolutely. I mean, it, you have that many first-year guys, you know, what, what do you expect? You're not, I mean, and they didn't have a situation where, like we were last year, where, you know, you had Clues and Cami and Fashion. I mean, we had some real impact freshmen coming in that you could kind of project we're going to be scoring guys. And their freshmen, to me, this up, you know, this year, I didn't see those kinds of players. So I thought it was going to be, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be 1-8 and 1 bad, but uh, I, I certainly didn't expect them to be going gangbusters early on either. Okay, Viggs, I've got something for you. Arizona State. Let's get the travel budget ready. Let's, let's get out there. It's, uh, I bet they're wishing they could get Austin Matthews to play for, for them down the stretch, but I don't think that's going to happen. But, uh, no, good for college hockey. I think I think it's a good addition. It should be a fun uh, road trip. I'm sure they'll uh, have no problem scheduling teams throughout the season. And, uh, you know, P- Penn State got their squad together pretty quick, so – you know, ASU, I'm sure they can attract a lot of hockey players there. Good scenery. Well, definitely, yeah. That's near Phoenix, isn't it? I mean, hello. Yeah, it is It is Phoenix, basically. I, the thing for me, the big difference is, is what kind of an investment are they going to put into? Are they going to get an on-campus rank, any of that stuff? I mean, it sounds like that's not going to happen, uh, certainly not in the immediate future. And, that's and that a should be a concern. Well, that's a hell of a lot different than Penn State. I mean, at Penn State, they kind of, I think, they kind of planned their way through things a little bit more. They didn't rush into it. They had the financial backing. They were going to have a nice rank on campus. And, you know, people talk about Arizona State and all that. And I'm, I'm, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. But I think that uh, I'd be very surprised if they transition into college hockey as well as Penn State has to this point. Well, we know Penn State did a great job. I mean, obviously it it caused all this turmoil in the rest of college hockey, you know, what the conference is. But that, I, I think in the long run those are growing pains. But like you said, no on-campus arena. I, I don't, I, what was the donation, 30 or 40 million, something like that? Uh, I think it was 31 million or Where's something all like the money that, going? I mean, does it really cost that much to start up a program? I I don't know what the I'm, I'm well I think some of it's probably gonna I don't know if it's all hockey related or not I mean it, I, obviously they have to start up a a women's uh, not necessarily a hockey team I think it was what was it lacrosse or I don't know what they it were was thinking they were thinking like lacrosse or maybe it was a crew or something like that yeah or... so they're you know I don't know if that's a part of the costs involved or not but um, nonetheless I mean it's you know I think to me the big thing is their coach isn't gonna be a D one experienced guy now he might hire some guys that are going to have d1 experience and have some of the recruiting you know ties i don't know what the plan is for that but i think certainly when you're you're out there recruiting kids want to feel confident about the coaching they're going to get and i question if they're going to feel that confident with a man that doesn't have that d1 experience and doesn't have that experience um you know getting guys onto the nhl level and so that, I think, is also something that's a little bit questionable compared to, like, a Penn State, for instance. Well, it's just going to be have to wait and see. You know, they'll probably, 
I don't know what conference they'll go after them. They'll have to have some kind of conference. Everyone's saying the you know the NCHC, but that'll put them at odd number of teams. So we could see some more shuffling of conferences or new conferences and all that good stuff in the next few years, people. So don't get used to what you're yeah, saying. I mean, it wouldn't be so bad to to get a couple smaller conferences. I think in play, you know, it it'd probably make it easier for those teams to. Um, you know, get some money by playing a lot of road games and kind of get their feet under them and, you know, get into a conference with teams of their own caliber. I think if you throw ASU and NCHC, you know, that's not a good long-term solution for them. By the way, guys, the Timberwolves just became the worst organization ever. Did it is lose the Philly? They just lost to Philly. I'm, wow. I'm seeing the tweets pop up. Unbelievable. That is pretty brutal. Oh, God. T-Wolves, you suck. Please leave. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just not a big basketball guy. Can you tell? Shocking. How do you lose to the team that everyone says could lose to a college team? That's just pathetic. Oy vey. Hammy, we had a bunch of signees that officially signed yesterday, didn't we? Yes, we did. We have Halliday, Ryan Norman, Novak, Ramsey. What, how do you say it? Sadik? Uh, I believe that's the case. And uh, Sheehy? Correct, Sheehy. Sheehy, well, there you go. At least that's from my official thing from the U. Tell us about the guys. I know you're not much, you don't know much about the Logan Holiday. I know you don't follow the goalies as much. North Carolina? I didn't know he was from North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, from what I've, I know that he's gotten a lot of, uh, I know that the Redline Report thinks pretty highly of his game. I know his numbers aren't spectacular this year, but I mean, he is playing on a pretty lousy team. I mean, and they're, I think they're expansion even. So. I believe you're right, yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like you're going to really going on there in that kind of a situation expecting a goalie to be kicking booty. So I mean, it, um, but I know that Redline Report thinks pretty highly of him. Uh, sounds like he's a pretty athletic kid. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, he's probably going to be, you know, if all things project correctly, you know, our number one goalie of the future, at least for the next, you know, few seasons, I would suspect. Could be next year. Yeah. Then we've got a forward, Ryan Norman from Maplewood, Minnesota, coming from Shattuck. And the Shattuck train jeeps coming. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly uh, he's a good player. I know he's he's more of a. I don't think he's going to be like that dynamic top end guy, but he's probably going to be, you know, maybe a guy that you know maybe fits into that kind of Travis Boyd type of a role. You know, where he's um, going to be a good two way player and eventually, hopefully, you know, be a contributor offensively as an upperclassman. I don't think, yeah, you know, I'd be a little surprised if he becomes uh, much of a big scorer in college, but I think he'll contribute, you know, pretty well. Um, and, and so I, th- you know, but he's a two-way player. I, I guess his, I think his dad played in North Dakota for a bit, so that's a little interesting. Um, you, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that he'll be a good player uh, as far as um, helping the Gophers with that depth and uh, up the middle and center. Tommy Novak, I actually recognize that name from the state tournament. Yeah, yeah, I was on St. Thomas Academy uh, before. You know, he's in Waterloo now. I, very dynamic player. Very. Excellent with the puck on his uh, stick. Uh, he's, I, I've heard he's had a little bit of the struggles, uh, you know, defensively. So I think that that's something that he'll have to improve on. But as far as you know, his offensive ability, uh, you know, he's among the best. Uh, 
especially at that age. He should be probably, a, if not a first-round pick, he'll certainly be probably in the second uh, you know, second round, third round at, at worst you know, this year. So uh, he's certainly a good player. So are, are all these guys, you know, they sign their early letters. Does that mean they're going to come in next year no matter what? Or what's the deal on that? Well, they don't always necessarily come in um, just because they sign a letter of intent. For instance, uh, Jack Ramsey signed his letter of intent last spring, and obviously he's not on this year's team. So it doesn't necessarily lock a guy in, but uh, usually, you know, for the most part, most of these guys will end up on the next year's team. I see. Of course, Jack Ramsey is the son of Mike Ramsey. And his older sister currently is the captain of the women's team. So family tradition keeps going on there for the Ramsleys. Yeah, um, you know, he, to me, my personal opinion, is he's probably going to project into that kind of uh, Tom Serratore type of a player. You know, he's going to, you know, he's not going to be a scorer. He's not, I mean, he's in the BCHL right now, which is pretty much a scoring league, and he's not, among the leaders, he's not even a point-per-game guy in that league. And, and so I don't think you're going to see a guy step in and eventually become like a top-six forward or anything like that. I think he's a guy that's going to provide you with – I mean, usually coaches' kids have a real good head for the game, so I'm sure he's a smart player. Um, I think he's a hard worker. He's got good size. So I think he's just going to be one of those guys that, you know, come in, play a role, and, um, you know, you can rely on them and get kind of an effort guy. So you're saying that his sister Rachel is probably better than he is? Uh, I wouldn't go f- that far. <laughs> Maybe as far as for a female side of things, she's better for, compared to her peers than he would be for the male side. So. I see. Well, she's she's a giant back there on defense. She's like six something, and oh, yikes! Yeah, yeah she's a tall drink of water. <laughs> Mister Jack Sadek is that how you said it? Uh, Lakeville North a, kid. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, I know that he's really kind of a, one of those guys that might be a little bit of a late bloomer. I mean, he's really come on here, you know, last year or so. I, I know that he had a really good model camp, um, well, whatever they call it now. But, um, you know, the, the camp that Lucia and Tony and those guys do in the summer down at the U. And um, I know that he's, you know, a kid that's really seemingly improving. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I think that ideally he'd be a kid that you'd want to play in the USHL for a year. But I think because of maybe some of the numbers, gotcha. I would suspect that he probably will come in next year and maybe just help, help uh, for the depth department. I don't know that factually, but that would be my guess. So, and lastly, you know, uh, from the U Tyler Sheehy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to him. To me, he's sort of would be kind of like a, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be as successful as clues has been, but uh, you know, he kind of is in that similar vein, you know, a good score that probably could have played college hockey this year. You know, he had a good year last year, but you know, return to the USHL. And, um, I think that'll certainly help him be a productive player um, throughout his college career. He's a real um, good two way player, but he's really, you know, compared to Novak, you know, he's more, I think, defensively responsible and um so i think that that he'll add a good two-way player and, and you know some of these guys are going to have an opportunity to step into the top six because you know we're going to be losing guys like Rao and um you know so i think that uh there'll, there'll be some good opportunities um and we'll see who we're going to add you know we added brent gates uh as a recruit this last week um you know he's a kind of a uh, you know sizable forward i think he'll probably be a you know, I don't know. Probably, I'm sure he'll be like a third line type of guy early on, and hopefully progress into more of a scoring role. But uh, they just added him, and 
Uh, we know that uh, they're still in the hunt for uh, Bozer, so I think we'll see what happens. Well, folks, you can stock all these guys. You can just go to the GPL recruits page, and I think pretty much all these guys have uh, Twitter handles, and you can follow them and see what they're doing. Stock them like Hammy does. It, nah, I don't quite stock them. I'm just giving you crap. So you mentioned we had a signee. Well, not a signee this way, but we had a, a couple commitments. It seems like recently. Would you say? Isn't Gates, wasn't he committed somewhere else? Yeah, he was originally going to go to uh, Notre Dame, and I don't know the reasons behind his decommitment. I never really asked about anything like that, but um, uh, he was originally going on there. I mean, his father, you know, when my, I was looking at him as a possible recruit years ago, and because uh, his father went to the U, he was a baseball player, and of course he went on to a major league baseball career, and then uh, he committed to Notre Dame. I'm like, oh, well, I guess the family ties didn't really play into that particular recruit, but then uh, just kind of heard, you know, kind of deciphered a few things over the last couple of weeks and, you know, heard um, he was going to be on campus, I don't know, like about a week and a half ago and um, just kind of turned out that he wanted to be a gopher. So it all worked out for him. He's happy in the end, so that's great. All right, enough about recruits, guys. Vigo, what is going on with the WCHA this year? They're good. Hey, well, you know, those are some good programs over there, I mean. Yeah, I know, know. but you know how, you know, they were the teams that were left out, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but they're still pretty pretty decent teams. I mean, Minnesota State can draw some pretty good recruits. I think the problem with some of those schools is, you know, they're competing with, you know, bigger teams that, you know, would roll four lines in 60, and I think now they're, they're playing a little bit different level of competition, and they're, they're getting healthy, you know. They do have top end talent who, who can who can play with everybody. Well, you got to love what Hastings has done down there at Mankato. Yeah, he's he's done a great job. You know, he he knows how to develop talent, and um, he's got a good roster. He got a, he's gotten a couple um, NHL draft pick type guys to, to command like Bluger, and um, you know they take off for him there. And even though it's temporary, Michigan Tech was the number one team in the country. That uh, just just happy for them, you know. They're yeah, from true, Michigan, but, it, but it, it, you know, it felt like it was 1975 again. Well, I don't think it's going to stay that way forever. But <laughs> it, it was fun to to see that for the tech fans, uh, all those future engineers and nurses, to see their uh, their team at the top of the pool. I think they've got uh, something coming to them this weekend when they play uh, uh, the Bulldogs, but but we'll see. Well, it's good to see you know some of those WCHA teams who kind of been the doormat or the kind of you know, the second thought for a long time. You know, like I said, Michigan Tech hasn't been a team for almost 40 years. Minnesota State has been on the cusp quite a few times, but now they're number one in the country. So it's a big thing for that new, you know, reborn league. Yeah, it's a fun chance for them. Uh, Northern Michigan, Bowling Green, Ferris State, Lake State, you know, those are all teams that have their uh, glory years behind them, and you know, this gives them a chance to, to compete against more of their peers. I mean, those schools don't compare to Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. You know, it's just totally different uh, dollars and uh, facilities and, and players going there. So I, I think this is good for the WCHA. Well, it definitely is. But like I said, it's just strange seeing teams like Michigan Tech and Minnesota State up at the top. Hey. 
Well, let's just remember we're about a third of the way into the year here. True, just, true, but I, it, I just, it's something we've never seen before, so... Well, and the other thing is, is those polls are so worthless as it is. I yeah. mean, even the pairwise right now is kind of worthless to some extent. I, I don't know. Well, let's just... Everybody wants to jump to conclusions, whether it's good or bad, you know. <laughs> I mean, the way I look at it is you're not going to make your way into the NCAA's at this time of the year, but you can certainly lose your way into the, you know what I mean? You're not going to make it if you're a Wisconsin because you're pissing away every week. And unless they go on a major streak, which I think we all think is not going to happen, you know, they're not going to make it. But these teams that are winning, you know, now, if they're not winning, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to make it just because you're winning now. So I just think that we got to be calm and not read too much into things at this point. I think it's, Especially in college hockey, I mean, the polls are pretty irrelevant. They don't they don't weigh into anything because it's all pairwise when it comes down to the end. Viggs, we got a, the World Juniors coming up, and uh, it appears we might have a couple Gophers on the team. Yeah, I think Fashing's pretty much a lock. Uh, USA Hockey, uh, it's a rarity for them not to have a player back who played the year before, and you know he'll be one of the biggest. Hardest players on the ice um, in that tournament because you know he plays a heavy game and you know, that can be really effective uh, in the World Juniors. Yeah, hopefully, um, he brings it back here. That's what yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are being a little hard on him. I, no. I think he's had a, a decent start. I don't think the goals have come like you'd expect out of him. I think he probably needs to be a little more selfish and in taking the puck to the net when he gets those chances. But I feel like his skating and compete level is still there. He needs, uh, for he me, needs to start scoring. Yeah, I mean, he's a you're a first line guy. You got to start bringing it as far as production goes. I I don't have any problem necessarily with you know the work ethic and whatever, but you got to start to produce if you're going to be a top line guy. You got to produce. I'm with you, Hammy. I've been a little disappointed in him. I've been disappointed with uh, you know a few players. <laughs> That's just you know I just, I think Warning's got to step up a little bit. Uh, you know I. I'm just looking for more consistency, I guess. And I just haven't heard Fashing's name a lot this year. And he was supposed to be one of the big wigs. And, and you know, he was he was one of the guys who might leave to the NHL. Well, you know what? He, he shouldn't be leaving because he needs to dominate a little bit first. Well, right. And I think that, you know, especially if you're going to play that power game in the, in the NHL, you, you got to be able to show that you can do that in the college game and produce – because if you can't do that in college, you're not going to exactly. do it in the pros. So, I mean, I, I don't really – a lot of people are sort of already talking like he's going to be gone next year. I, I'm not buying it. And from everything I'm hearing, I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Of course, you never know what's going to happen in the next six months, to, so it's not a lock. But uh, I'll be surprised. Well, I think he needs to step it up and start being a factor because uh, we need it. Well, well one- I think – I think he's one of those guys who needs a little bit more grinding zone time and less of that, you know, one and done offensive zone shift. And I think that's going to be a point of emphasis here as we get into the, the middle third of the season. Well, get him, well, get, get in there and start grinding. I mean, that's what Lucia talks about. You know, get some effort, more puck possession in the offensive zone. Everything he's been preaching here, he's one of the guys who's got to get in there and do that because he's that type of player. Well, he's got that. I mean, that's the thing. He's, you know, he has the size. He has the physical abilities to do a lot of different things. And so, to me, 
you know, and Rao is certainly, you know, he, for his size, is not going to shy away from, you know, the contact and kind of, you know, mucking it up a bit. So I, to me, um, it's not like Fashing is the only guy on that line that's willing to do that. So, you know, you have to, you have to start bringing the production. All right, well, this weekend they head out to East Lansing to play the Michigan State Spartans, guys, opening up the Big Ten schedule. Hammy, start off to you. Uh, I These games with Michigan State always seem to be tight games, no matter who is good and who is bad. Well, you know, it's funny because I think sometimes that, that's the perception that we have. I, I was actually, before the podcast, I was kind of looking at uh, – you know, our recent results with them. And, and, and I was actually a little surprised at the fact that the Gophers have actually throttled Michigan State, you know, a lot in recent, you know, the recent matches. They didn't last year. Last year's series were tight uh, and close games. But prior to that, you know, I saw scores like 7-1, 5-1, whatever. You know, I think we all perceive because Michigan State tends to play a little bit more of a conservative game like that's, the games are going to be low scoring, and I would suspect this weekend's probably going to be like that. But um, I, I don't expect the Gophers to waltz in there and have three goal victories or whatever. I'm not saying that's not possible, but I doubt it's going to be that way. I think it'll be competitive, probably one goal games, or maybe you know two goal with an empty netter type of games, and or maybe even shootout types of games. So um, we'll see what happens, but I, I'm sure it'll be competitive. Viggs, we're hoping that Boyd might be back this weekend. Yeah, he skated a couple times last week and with the team, and uh, they said he had too much soreness um, to go in the BC Northeastern games. And uh, he skated this week as well, and uh, she thought they'd make a call um, kind of after today's practice or tomorrow morning uh, whether or not he'd go on the trip. And they said they wouldn't take him if they didn't think he'd play. So I think we'll find out tomorrow. But he'd, he'd be a big boost to the team. Um, Michigan State's got a great goaltender in uh, Jake Hildebrand. You know, he's, he's had a good season, and you know, I think we are going to see two low-scoring games. Uh, hopefully when it's low-scoring, the Gopher special teams can take over and, and give them the edge. Uh, but they, they need more five-on-five. Five. They need um, guys like Letary to, to step up and, and play that top-nine role. And you know, they, they probably do need a little bit more around fashing. Um, in that top line. I know that Lucia keeps messing with who's on their left wing. He's tried uh, Camerata there this last weekend. Um, Connor Riley got a shot early in the year. Uh, they, they put Sam Warning there. Um, they put Bristep there. So I think, you know, they've had a little bit of, of uh, rotating guys on that spot. And it'd probably be helpful for them to, to settle on one here. Hammy, Even is, in this last game, they, they, they put Riley up there, some with that top line didn't they because i noticed in the box score that riley was a minus two and it was both when the when uh rao and fashing were out there so uh, yeah he but must i think have, he must have seen some ice time with them last week on the top line yeah lucia has been praising ryan riley for for giving good effort and making good decisions so i know he was uh one of the reasons that gophers got a goal against bc he picked somebody's pocket from behind on the back check and, and create well, a scoring chance I was, I was talking to oh. Connor. Well, Connor Riley's been up there a lot this season, so right. Well, he was on he was on Saturday though, wasn't he? Because I saw that he was like I said a minus two, and both times were out with uh, unless it was a line change. But I mean, I didn't I didn't see the, much of that, so I don't know what 
Well, the Northeastern game was kind of a mess for the stream, so it was kind of hard to, to tell what was going on. But, you know, there have been four or five guys who've, who've had chances at that spot. I had an excellent stream. I don't know what was wrong with yours. <laughs> um, Hammy, is Bristed going to keep on taking stupid first period penalties every game he's in? Well, hopefully <laughs> not. I mean, you know. I, it seems I like he's it's... been doing that a lot lately. Well, I think part of it, you know, for him is that he never really had that transition year playing North American style hockey. Um, you know, and it is different from where he's from. I mean, people don't, I think a lot of fans here don't really realize that, that there are differences in the way that they play in Europe compared to here. I mean, some guys do come over here and they're able to make the transition a little bit easier. But I think for a kid that didn't get the USHL time or things of that nature, it's probably a little different for for him and so it might be a little bit more of a transition not just from the level he was on to now college hockey but also just the style of play and the way things are played in North America so I'm sure it may be even be a little bit more of a challenge of a transition for him so uh, and I'm sure some of the penalties you know that's part of it you know we'll, so hopefully he'll reduce those as time goes along yeah it almost feels like he's trying to force a physical forecheck into his game and he's he's not used to doing that and it seems like he gets a lot of his penalties on the forecheck in the offensive zone uh, which which coaches obviously hate but I think he's trying to force that north-south physical play into his game so there's well, probably an adjustment there yeah and I think that he from what I understood before he even showed I mean obviously none of us were really all that familiar with his game before he showed up but uh I was kind of told that, you know, he brought more of a gritty element for his size, you know, prior to um, coming over here. And so maybe part of it is that that's just his game and he's trying to figure out how to dial it in and to be more effective but not get the penalties. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, totally a different size player, but I think it took Seth Ambrose until his junior year to really figure out how to use his size effectively in the game and not take those bad penalties. So I think it's an adjustment for any player, whether you know USHL or not. But you know he's going to have to figure it out because I think Lucia's struggling with where to put him in the lineup. Well, boys, I'm calling for a sweep this weekend for the Gophers. Six points, and I'm just I'm trying to be Mister Positive for now. What do you think, Hammy? Can they get well, the six points, or you think it's split? You thinking maybe four or five points? Yeah, I'm thinking probably more four or five points because it just seems like whenever we play them, we we end up with a tie in some way, shape, yep. or form. And um, you know, being that it's a road series, I, ultimately for me, what's important is I want to see two, you know, real high energy efforts. I want to see consistency this weekend. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't need to see necessarily. Obviously, you want two wins, but. If they play hard and, let's say, Michigan State's goalie just plays great one night or whatever, I can live with that. What I can't live with is when I see kind of a lackadaisical effort or their heads aren't necessarily in the game or yep. whatever it is. To me, that's where I get annoyed. I don't have a problem with, you know, if a team just beats you because they're just executing better or their goalie's playing great or whatever. But when you're not playing well because the effort isn't there, you're not moving your feet, whatever it is, that's what books me. So, more than anything else, I want to see some energy. I want to see some passion out of the team both nights, not just one night, both nights. Okay, Viggs, how many points, and uh, what do you want to see this weekend? Uh, I think we're going to see four points. I think we'll see a win and a shootout loss. Ooh. I, yeah, I, 
I don't think the Gophers do very well in the shootout, so it, it, it boggles the mind with Wilcox. They can't uh, do better in the shootout. But I think that will happen. Uh, but I, what I'm looking for mostly is, is the solid 5-on-5 five five play. I'd like to see the Gophers get some speed behind the puck. You know, there's a tendency for to players when they're not playing well to get too far up ice and get ahead of the play, and that just you know totally slows your transition down. and And you have to stop at the offensive blue line, wait for the puck. You don't generate speed, and then if you miss that opening shot on the rush, you have a hard time collecting the puck and maintaining possession. I think that's what's happening a lot to this team is that they're just coming in turning over the puck right away with a missed shot or whatever, and then having to go back play defense. I'd like to see this team get some of that offense its own time by getting in the zone clean and generating some sustained pressure. Um, I think if they'll do that, you'll see Minnesota outshoot Michigan State both nights. I think that's what the coaches are looking for too. Sounds good to me, but I'm more positive than you guys. Jeez. You were kind of that way every freaking week, though. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm trying to be more positive now. I've, I've been negative on the team recently. I mean, I, I thought some of these losses were just ridiculous. I was I was pretty pissed when you know they scored one goal on the weekend against Duluth, and then they struggled with Northeastern. But that's just a fan in me being bitter, and it happens. Well, you know, I think you have to look at the fact Duluth's a good team. I mean, there's no. Sh- I mean, yeah, obviously you but win one goal on a weekend. Come on. Right. Well. To- Look, Shut out at home? I, I will say this. I think that sometimes uh, there are times where I feel like this year, especially this team, against St. Cloud and against Duluth, to me, it seemed like those teams were looking at it like this is a rivalry. And it seemed like the Gophers did not bring that same attitude to the table. Mistake. It was almost like, you know, I, which is a mistake. Of course it is. It's a terrible mistake because. You don't ever want to be, you know, you want to have that passion. And, um, you know, we always talk about how the other teams want to beat the hell out of us, and that's one of the reasons why um, we feel like we're battle-tested and all that kind of stuff. And so you have to bring that, match that energy level. And um, they didn't do that in either of those series to me, you know, whether it was St. Cloud or Duluth. And uh, they didn't play great, I don't think, either of those series. And I don't think it was a talent issue. I think it was just there was an intensity issue there, and that's uh, what we hope to change as the season goes on. All right, boys. It's holiday time. We're taking a break for the show, as usual, as we do in December, because there's not really any hockey after this weekend until the the Mariucci Classic, which is after the first of the year. So you guys can, you know, have all your parties and, you know, raise children like Vigo's doing. Yeah, it'd be helpful. (laughs) Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back after the, the, the Mariucci Classic. It looks like right before they play Michigan in January, so I think in about January 7th we'll be back for another show. But until then, you know, hopefully the team plays better this weekend. Hopefully we're a little more positive going into the break. Uh, remember, you can always follow Hammy on Twitter, at Hammy Hockey. And you can follow Vigo on Twitter as well, at EVigo. Uh, plenty of stuff they're tweeting about. They're bitching about something usually. I'm kidding, guys. We'll be back in January. See you later. (laughs) 